And we were told we were no good. But what happened was when we embraced those false teachings about being a sinner and ever being separate from the Father, we then got amnesia and we forgot who we were. We got amnesia and we forgot who we were. So all have sinned and come short, fallen short, however the translation reads, of the glory of God. All is P-A-S and it means whosoever. And what I hear out of that is one by one as we embrace religiosity, all have sinned. Now we have to understand the difference between sin and sins. Sin is simply armatia. And what it means is to miss the mark of our origin, it means mistaken identity. That's all it means. Sin, singular. Sins, plural, is the behavior then that comes out of that mistaken identity and not knowing who we are. It's very important that we understand the difference between sin, singular, and sins, plural. So we came here upright. God was never mad at us. He was mad about us. Yes. Yes. And so therefore, you know, we've quoted this scripture, blessed are ye, you know, who is not offended in anything. And then we accuse God of being offended and having to forgive us. He has no propensity to be offended, so therefore, did he need to forgive us? Absolutely not. And when we get there, I'll talk about the forgiveness in just a few seconds here. But let me give you another scripture besides, well, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the... Glory means the view and the opinion of God. The view and the opinion of the Father. And we came short of that when we embraced religiosity and we got amnesia and we forgot who we were. Then another scripture that people will try to challenge when you talk about us not coming in original sin but original blessing is in Romans 5 and verse 12. I'm not going to read it, but what it says, I'm going to paraphrase it. What it says there is through one man death entered the world. And then it talks about death passing upon all men for or because we embrace the religiosity. That's all that's saying there. And then in Ezekiel chapter 18, in verses 2 and 3, Ezekiel warned the people and he said, Do not say this proverb ever again. And the proverb was, the fathers ate the sour grapes and set the children's teeth on edge, which meant to them, you inherit all the iniquity and all the sins of the fathers, and you can throw Adam into that mix, that we inherited. When Adam partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that we inherited the sin nature. Totally untrue. Totally untrue. We received, listen, we received the death. We received... Not a sin nature, but we receive the confusion yes. in our mind concerning yes. that. Yes, we did the same thing Adam did. Yes, he partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so did we. But we didn't automatically inherit that from his fall. As though we couldn't help it. It just automatically happened. We received it when we embraced religiosity. Yes. So when he said, don't say this proverb anymore, the fathers ate the sour grapes and set the children's teeth on it, he said, say this instead. Now I'm going to paraphrase this as well. He said, the soul, I'm adding some words, the soul himself that sinneth or has mistaken identity, himself has embraced death. That's really what he was saying there in Ezekiel chapter 18. Someone says, well, I have you now. I got you now, Sister Kay. Because the scripture says in Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7, that God visits the iniquity of the fathers down to the third and the fourth generation. Well, if you study the word visiteth or visit, however it is in your translation, what that word simply means, it's a reflexive verb. And what it means is himself. We're the ones that pass down our squirrely ideas squirrely. from generation to generation. That's really what it means there. It's not talking about God visiting and making sure. And I give this example many times, and I'm sure you've heard it. But one day at a celebration, a holiday, the daughter asked the mother, why did we cut the end of the ham off? And she said, well, because the pan wasn't big enough. Yep. That has gone down from generation. Yes. Stuff like that has gone 
and been passed down by man yes. from generation to generation. Come on. So we never came here as a sinner. We never came here with a sinful nature. There's only one nature, and it's the nature of the Father. Just like there's only one presence, there's only one power, there is only one nature. There is not a sinner, and so therefore we have to say the sinner's prayer and be changed from an old man to a new man. You came here as a new man. We came here as a new creation. Now I want to talk about this later on, the old man. What is the old man then? I believe the old man is a metaphor not a person. Yes. In quantum, there's called the Pali yeah. principle, mm -hmm. which simply means two people or two entities cannot obtain or be in the same space at the same time. Right. So you cannot be an old man and a new man at the same time. <laughs> so I see that the old man is a metaphor, and you all know the chart that I use on mind-brain connections. The old man is simply a metaphor for left-sided thoughts in and of themselves. That's the old man. Not an entity. I'm going to give you some scriptures later on. Now, <clears throat> Jesus' death exposed the lies that we had embraced. Amen. What happened in his death? The veil was rent. Second Corinthians chapter 3 talks about the veil that's over our minds. So in this temple, the veil was rent. The lies began to be exposed through Jesus' death, and in his resurrection, the truth about who we have always been was revealed to us. I mean, we can read this in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4, 2 Timothy 1, 9, where it says that we were blameless, we were called, we were chosen, now watch out, and we were saved yes. from before the foundation of the world. Yes. So objectively, we all came here saved. Yes. And so the resurrection of Jesus simply reveals that unto us. Now, one of the series of teachings that just turned me inside out and began to just change my life was a couple of series of teachings, well, three actually, original sin versus original blessing, and then awareness factor, and also our eternal identity. And I found out, see, if you, if you study, for example, the word resurrection, what resurrection literally means is to gather our faculties, yes. and it also means the revelation or the discovery of spiritual truth. Resurrection literally means it. It means an advancing, an uprising, it means to gather our faculties to yield the left side, the intellect, the human reasoning, the sensual logic, to yield it to the Christ mind of the right side. And it means the discovery, resurrection means the discovery of spiritual truth. So that was one of the greatest deconstructions that took place within my life was to realize I didn't come here as a sinner. I didn't come here with a corrupt nature. I came here in original blessing. I came here saved. I was called. I was chosen. I was made blameless from before time ever began. And that's one of the greatest revelations that we can receive that will change the way we think, and not only the way we think, but will change, completely change our experience that we have yes. in our Father. Yes. Yes. Another teaching I want to bring up that has been straight from the pit of hell. Straight from the pit of hell. And it's called eternal conscious torment. Eternal conscious torment. That there are going to be some people that are going to spend eternity after they physically die in hell, being scorched and torched forever and ever. Now, some people think that they have some scriptures on that, but they really don't. It's simply their interpretation. We must see the truth through the lens of the love that Jesus yes. about yes. And once we see that, it yes. brings great changes within our life. So there's four words for hell, three in the Greek and one in the Hebrew. Tataris means we're bound in chains of religiosity. You can find that, I think it's one of the little books, maybe Titus or Jude. Then there's Hades, and Hades just talks about 
a realm of darkness or ignorance. Then there's Gehenna, and that we know was the city dump. And to me, I think that's our lake of fire experience. Oh, fire begins to be burned up. Amen. Yes. between our ears. And then there is Sheol, another Hebrew word, which means really the grave. It's the grave. It's darkness, it's ignorance, and it's the grave. So ECT, eternal conscious torment, is one of the worst dogmas of man yes. that has been taught that came out of man whose breath is in his nostrils rather than coming out of the breath of God. And that's a great thing for us to understand. Another one is penal substitutionary atonement. What does that say? What does penal substitutionary atonement say to us? It simply says that God was so angry with us yeah. and he needed to be appeased, but he had to have blood before he could be appeased. Right. So he kills his son. God never needed to be appeased because we were upright. We were never separate from him. Now, let me get back to the forgiveness word. And I said I was going to give you some meanings a little earlier. There are three... Couldn't be four, but three for sure. Words for forgiveness. One is aphesis, another is aphemiae, and another one is charismai. And every one of those words for forgiveness, none of them have to do with God has forgiven you for all the wrong that you have done. None of them have to do with that. But what those three Greek words point to, and I know there's probably another that I did not write down, but what those three Greek words and the other one means is freedom from sin. Whoa. Freedom from mistaken identity. Not forgiveness of your sins or your sin, mistaken identity, but freedom from sin. Now, the last one I want to deal with that has been people are still, even people that embrace this word still are confused about prayer. Yes. Well, let me say it this way. Ask is not so much asking the way we used to ask our parents for money or can I take the car out tonight or whatever. If you have, I'm going to use the tabernacle as a, an example. If you have an outer court or even a holy place mentality about the word ask, then you're going to think about asking the Father for blessing or for healing or for money. But when you have a most holy place mentality of the word ask, it doesn't become like asking like we normally think of the word ask. It becomes a realization. And the realization is, I am already blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavens. I've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. So I walk in that realization. And as I walk in that realization, or as I live in the end, living in the end is I realize I am, as I live in the end, I am, as I collapse time, I realize I am right now. Yes. Yes. I am health, I am wealth, yes. I am. Yes. Everything I think I have an apparent need of, yes. I am that right now. Right. And then what do you do? The next step is creating a vacuum. Anytime the intellect of the left side tries to say, no, you ain't. You're sick. Right. The doctor said this. Come on. The doctor said that. The bank account said this. Suck it up, Buttercup! Then what do you do? You, you create that vacuum. Yes. And listen, Aristotle said that nature abhors a vacuum. Yes. And when you yield that left side from operating in and of itself, you yield to the Christ mind of the right side. You're creating a vacuum, and something must fill it up. Come on! The truth must fill it up. Amen. Woo! Amen. Bring it on down. So, to live in the end, as Scripture says in Isaiah, or not, is it Isaiah? Isaiah 46, 10, God declared the end from the beginning. That cancels out time, space, and distance. It does. And when you cancel out time, space, and yes. distance about who you be, yes. now. 
couple of weeks ago, I saw someone put it on Facebook or heard someone say it. I'm not even sure anymore. But Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things, any apparent need that we have, all of these things will be added unto you. Well, how can you add to all this? That's my question. Yeah. How can you add to all and he is all in all and all y'all? So he is your health as you, he is your wealth as you, he is all as you, so you can't add to all. So to me, that's not a real good translation of that word added there. And I found out it means a magnet. <laughs> Things are drawn to us manifestly, you see, as as we live in this awareness that my Father is my help as me. He is my help as me. He is all things as me. All things as me. Now, the people are beginning to resonate with this truth. And they're beginning to see that any apparent need that they have is just an apparent need. But that we already are all, our Father is, the very allness of our being. Now, I put a post on a few weeks back, or a couple of weeks ago, and I want to just read, it's not very long, it's about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil as opposed to the tree of life. And listen to this, because it'll fit in with what I'm saying. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil constitutes sick or well, rich or poor, saved or unsaved, free or bound, righteous or unrighteous, holy or unholy, old man or new man. And any time that I think, listen, any time that I think that I must get a condition which is not already my objective reality, it denotes the opposite ends of the same stick, which is death. <laughs> so I don't look at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil so much as duality, because even if it's a good appearance, yes. it can be death. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. See, because there's two Greek words in the New Testament for good. One is kalos, the other is agathos. One means an intrinsic good that comes and flows from spirit, but the other is just an external good, as you see on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is what causes us to be partaking from something that has to do with time, space, and distance. Adam tapped in when he yes. uh, took the turn of the knowledge of good and evil to time, space, and distance. And even though it was not him some years before the guy croaked after partaking of the turn of the knowledge of good and evil, he still partook of death, and it still caused him to experience time, space, and distance. Now listen to the tree of life. It constitutes I am health. See, he declared the end from the beginning. I am health. I am wealth. I am and have always been saved. I am and have always been free. I am righteous. I am holy. I am and have always been this way from before the foundation of the world. So the question is this. Is the truth that we embrace today... Is it eternal truth? Come on. Because eternal truth has always been. If it's really the truth, it has always been the eternal truth. That's right. If it's really the truth, it has always been the truth. Anything you can think that is the truth about you has always been the truth. And listen, God cannot give us what He's already given us. Now, what He does. Someone says, well, then you're saying that, that God isn't doing anything? No, He is. Us. Within us, He is simply upholding, yep. sustaining, and maintaining the kingdom of God within us. And as you and I participate yeah. by agreeing, yeah. I am, yes. as God declared in Isaiah 46.10, He declared the end from the beginning, as we participate with I am, as we participate with collapsing time, I am now, and as we participate with creating the vacuum, I'm not going to listen to the intellect in and of itself. Not that there's anything wrong with the intellect, but we don't want to be guided and directed and governed by that alone. Right, yeah. I'm not going to listen to man's reasoning. I'm going to spiritualize it by yielding the intellect, the reasoning, and the logic to the Christ mind of the right side. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Mm. Then we're going somewhere. 
Yes, we are. Then we're experiencing something. Yes. Then we're experiencing something. So, what are we talking about? We're talking about, as you put all of this together that I've said so far, we're talking about realizing the I amness as who we be this morning. That's right. And we are realizing that I amness by collapsing time and realizing I am that right now. Yes. And by creating the vacuum, which nature abhors a vacuum and has to fill it up immediately, <coughs> what are we doing? We are walking in the heavenlies. Yes. We are walking in resurrection life. Amen. We are walking in the heavenlies. We are walking in resurrection life. Now, let me get back to the old man. Let's say something about the old man. Again, in fact, why don't you go to 2 Timothy 1 and verse 10. If you have your Bibles or your devices or whatever you use. Because what we have to realize when we're talking about collapsing time is the scripture says in one of the little John books, as he is in this world, now let me ask you a big question here. Does that constitute, if we quote that scripture, as he is, so are we in this world, does that constitute right now? Yes. Yes. So as we could say, as he is, so are we right now in this world. Not someday off in heaven, after some so-called rapture of the church. I was raptured this morning. You got that right. There you go. Rapture just means to be loved with a love embrace, caught up. I saw some caught up people this morning. Bam, bam. It's not being raptured off of this earth, going to some heavenly glory. Or even after a person dies in their physical body, even though I know, you know, we know that that's about spirit leaves and goes back to God and all that. But there's a people in this earth that are really being, really being raptured and they're embracing these truths and they're not waiting for anything to happen in the future. But they're realizing the only thing our Father is doing right now is sustaining and upholding the kingdom of God within us. And as we simply participate with yes. that, we're going to walk right into this. Yes. Hallelujah. Now, where did I tell you to go? 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 2. Now, as I said, I see the old men as a metaphor of the lower thoughts or the thoughts from the left side in and of itself. You never were an old man as though there were two entities in you right. or two people within you. It's a monster. That's a monster. <laughs> yes. But lower thoughts denote the old man. I'll get a little more on that as we go on. But listen to 2 Timothy 1.10. Because as I've already stated, Jesus' death rent the veil in the temple within us. It ex began to expose the lies that we had embraced. And his resurrection revealed the truth. Resurrection again means to gather our faculties, an uprising, and advancing spiritually, and the discovery of spiritual truth. Okay? So listen, with that in mind, listen to 2 Timothy 1.10, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, listen to this, who hath abolished death, let me say it this way, there's only ever been one power, Jesus on the cross did not abolish death. Only in our mind. Yeah. You know, there's scripture, I think it's John 10, 10, where it says he came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Have doesn't mean he brought us life in the sense that we didn't have it before. Have means to hold and to conceive. That we might conceive and that we might see that we've always had that one life. You see? This is the eternal truth that we're dealing with. So, 2 Timothy 1.10, But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death, now listen to this, and hath brought life and immortality, get the next two words, to light. Yes. To light through the gospel. To light means to reveal something that has always been true about us. And we need to get that mentality of anything that Jesus did in his death and burial and resurrection. It's something that was simply revealed to us that we always were or that we always had. Now, let me unpack something else if you go to Ephesians chapter 4. Let's look at this old man because I like to document what I teach. I don't like to just 
throw stuff out there and expect people to get it. I want to document some stuff about the old man. I want us to see where did I get that the old man was just a metaphor of lower thinking. Where did I get that? Well, let's look here in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. The old man that was crucified, and it, it was crucified, and I'll get into that a little bit later here. But notice here, this old man and the new man has to do strictly with putting on an awareness. Because listen to what it says in Ephesians 4, that you put off concerning the former conversation, and that word conversation means your habits of life or your behavior, okay? And how many know that your behavior comes as a result of a corrupted awareness? Our awareness is a projector. Yes. And it'll project out to the screen of our life and we'll experience that and walk in that. That's right. But it first has to happen between our ears and our awareness. Yeah. Yeah. So this behavior that he's talking about, or this, the habits of life, you could say sins, the behavior, comes from an awareness that has been polluted by religiosity. Yep. Okay? So that you put off concerning the former conversation or lifestyle, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, or the mind that's in your spirit on the right side, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So what this is really stating to us here is, we take off the old man by taking off certain thoughts. Yeah. And we put on the new man by incorporating certain thoughts of the Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. So all of those areas that I gave you, that I had to deconstruct in and get some reconstruction concerning, to be brought to the place that I am right now, ties right in to the putting off of the old man and the putting on of the new man, which has nothing to do has nothing to do whatsoever except the thoughts. Are we drawing from the right side of the Christ mind, the realm of spirit? Yeah. Then we're continually putting on the new man. Or are we drawing from mere intellect, human reasoning, and sensual logic? Then what are we doing? We're putting on and having to deal or to do with an old man. Now listen to this. When Jesus hung on the cross, he uttered these words, three words, it is finished. Now, the meaning of that little word, which isn't such a little word, it's a mighty big word, it, listen to this, means the baffling wind or the lie of self, lowercase self. So when Jesus said it is finished, he said what was nailed to the cross, what I identified with, was the old man thoughts, the old man mentality, the baffling wind of you ever being a sinner, the baffling wind of you ever thinking that you were not righteous or holy. Yeah. That's what was nailed to the tree in Jesus, was the baffling wind, all of the lies that we received through religiosity about ourselves that was not the truth. Now, let me have you look at Galatians, because here's the famous scripture that so many people use in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. So, resurrection, what did it do? It revealed the truth. It revealed the truth that was always the truth about us. And, you know, when Paul the Apostle said, put on the mind of Christ, meaning slip into, put on means to slip into. Into like you slip into a garment. Now, when you slipped into your clothes this morning, you weren't in the kitchen and your clothes back in the bedroom. Yeah. They're right there in your hand. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. So we have the Christ mind. That's what the right hemisphere represents to me, is the Christ mind of the realm of spirit. We have the mind of Christ. All we have to do is yield the left side of intellect, reasoning, and logic mm -hmm. and just slip in. Yeah. And listen, it's our nature. It's as easy as slipping into the clothes that you slipped into this morning. 
It's, it's so simple, we missed it. Yes, yes. Pardon my expression, we've been a little stupid. Yes. You know, no condemnation to anyone. We all went that route. We all went that route. But I don't think we had to. Hello? I don't think we had to. Now, listen to what it says in Galatians 2.20. Paul stated, now, the, the uh, King James says, I am crucified. And I don't like that because it's like, oh, I have to crucify myself and die to myself every day. Well, that already happened. Don't have to do that. I just have to slip into the right side. That's all I have to do. So, so what it says in the Greek in Galatians 2.20 is, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in as me. And the life which I now live in this body, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So what is this I here that Paul is saying that had to be crucified? It's the baffling wind of self. It's the lie of the lowercase s. You never had a lowercase self. You never had that. We never came here as a sinner. We came here upright. Ecclesiastes 7.29, if you want to check me out. Or if you want to check the scripture out, don't check me out. Check the scripture. <laughs> now, as I said earlier, there is in quantum science, quantum mechanics, that which is called the poly principle, which simply talks about the fact that there is no way that two people or two entities can live in the same space. Now, I remember a time, and we talked about this last evening a little bit, where we used to think we were, you know, to cast out demons and devils, and we thought it was another person. Like, for example, if someone had a mental illness and they were maybe schizophrenic or they had multiple personality disorders, we thought there was more than one person in there. Yeah. Four or five. Six. No way there could be more than one person in there. I felt like that one. And we, we, we caused a lot of hurt and a lot of shame to people. Yes, now, don't misunderstand. I do believe yes. that our awareness can become so yes. obsessed that it appears like there's yes. something else in there. But there really isn't another entity or another person in there. And we've done a lot of damage to people by trying to cast another individual or another entity out of a person. What we should have been doing is... Teaching them the truth. Yeah. See, Jesus said it this way. Yeah. He said that no man is defiled by that which is without, right. like some demon or devil, yes. but he's defiled by that which is within. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about his awareness. So if we'll take people like that that have mental disturbances and teach them the truth, yes. that's way better than trying to cast something out. Yes. Some other entity or another person out of them. And let me just say this in passing, that, did, that wasn't lasting anyhow. Yeah, that wasn't the fruit that remains anyhow. Right. So when we can teach people to draw from their own well, which we're all still learning, so good. myself as much so as anyone right. else, if we can teach them to draw out of their own well, yeah. then we can begin to deal with fruit that remains. Yeah. Right. Rather than fruit that's here today and gone tomorrow. Aren't you tired of fruit that's here today yeah. and gone tomorrow? Yes. yes. I want something that's lasting. Yes. I want to experience something that's not going to be fleeting. Right. But that is going to be fruit that remains. Fruit that remains. Now, back here where Paul was quoting this in Galatians 2.20, where he said, nevertheless, I live, what was he saying? He was simply saying that the Christ, nevertheless, I live, yet not a lower awareness of me, but the higher awareness of me, which is Christ, lives now. I am. I am. I am. So, when we study, and I taught this for many, many years when I was teaching finished work, grace, and I believe in finished work and I believe in grace, but I believe we all, the work was always finished. Yes. I believe grace was always here. Always Jesus here. just came to reveal it. But yes. like, for example, here in Galatians 2.20 where it talks about being crucified with him in Romans 6, 7, and 8, where he died with him in Romans 6, 4. He was buried with him. It was an awareness to what Jesus was referring to when he said, it, the baffling wind of self, the lie of self, the lie of believing you ever were a sinner, the lie of ever believing you didn't come here as a new man to begin with, 
All of that was nailed to the cross. Amen. It was nailed to the cross. So that's the way I teach you now. And then when you get into the quickening side, the raising side, well, truth is being quickened within us now. Resurrection means, again, one of the meetings together with faculty and discovery of spiritual truth. Means simply means that something is being quickened within us that was always there. Yes. Something is being raised up, yes. quickened, raised, seated. Right. And now we're resting in that. Right. And that's where the seated comes right. in. Come on. That's good. So you see, living in the end, collapsing time, once you see who you have always been, Absolutely. you can begin to live in the end yes. and collapse time and realize this has always been my truth. I came here. Think about the people's lives that will be revolutionized when we have an old, uh, you know, a whole army of people that are beginning to speak these things and declare these things and even explaining these things. Yes. Now, let me have you go to Revelation chapter 10. Revelation chapter 10. And as you're turning there, let me quote another scripture in Revelation 22, 13, which says, Jesus said, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. What was he saying? He was saying, I am swallows all in the beginning and the end, the first and the last, swallows all of that up. See, Jesus said it this way. He said, call no man on earth your father. Right. You have one, one. father. Yep. Our roots are in Christ. Right. Our roots are in Christ. Our roots are in our father. Our roots are not in our natural upbringing or in our parents. Right. Our roots are not there. Our roots are in Christ. Our DNA yes. is the yes. Father's yes. DNA. Yes. Yes. Now the message that we see as we go into Revelation chapter 10, I believe this message of living in the end, collapsing time, creating a vacuum, is relative to right now. Right now. And I want to read there in Revelation 10 the first six verses. And I want us to see that there is, here in Revelation, it talks about the seventh trump. And how many know seven is the number that speaks of divine intervention? And it also speaks of completeness and finished. Okay? And then when we go to 1 Corinthians 15, it talks about the last trump. And I want to close by going to 1 Corinthians 15. But let me read in Revelation 10, 1 through 6, and show you how I believe the message of living at the end collapsing time and creating a vacuum is relative to the exact time we're living in today. Now listen to what it says. Verse 1. Listen to verse 1. And I saw another mighty angel. Hello, angels. Hello. You are a messenger. An angel is a messenger with a message or a message. Right. Clear sounding message. I'm not saying there aren't other angels. I'm just saying this is what he's dealing with here. A message. Okay? And I saw another mighty angel, mighty message, come down from heaven, from the realm of spirit within us. Not heaven out here, realm of spirit within us. Clothed with a cloud, presence, God's presence, and a rainbow, eternal covenant. Eternal covenant was upon his head. See, I don't, I don't think in terms anymore of new covenant, old covenant. Right. I think in terms of eternal covenant. That was from before time. That we had in him. That's so good. A rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. Now, let me just say this, and you don't have to buy this if you don't want to. When I see the word S U N rather than S O N, I right away think of the energy fields in the physical body. Some people call them chakras, call them what you want. But I do believe that we have seven energy fields within the physical body. I believe we have a pineal and a pituitary. And I believe as the energy flows, and I think this is what it's referring to, a people with a message, that that message has done such a work that the energy is flowing in every part of their being, spirit, soul, and body. And it affects the pineal and the pituitary. And they tell us that the pituitary puts off a milky substance, a milky-colored substance, the pineal more of a golden honey-colored substance. And I see that as the land right here. My
my body flowing with milk and honey. So this, this message is coming from within us, clothed with a cloud. It's carrying the presence of the Lord. It understands the rainbow, the eternal covenant. And it goes on to say, his face was as it were the sun. Countenance has changed because the energy is flowing and his feet were as pillars of fire. What's the fire? Well, the fire's talking again about the fire of his word. Okay? Now it gets gooder and gooder as we go. Look at verse 2. And he had in his hand a little book open. Little book. And he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot upon the earth. Now, I translated that out and I said, he had in his right hand the book within, which was revealed to him, and he had the individual awareness joined with the inward book, okay, which he brought to the sea of humanity, which was troubled, and he brought to the earth who was confused. Wow. <laughs> and that's what he's talking about. Right foot upon the sea, left foot upon the earth. Verse 3. And he cried with a loud voice, boldness. We're delivering this word in boldness, yes. right? Come on. Not tiptoeing through the tulips, being halfway timid to say these things. You know, I shared with him last night. One of the things God's graced me with and blessed me with is, uh, is a boldness to just yes. declare what he brings yes. and explain what he brings. Come yes. on. Come, high water. Come, hell or high water. Come, hell or high water. Come, high water. She can come in the presence. I'm trying to say First and cried with a loud voice, as when a lion roareth, and when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voice. My translation is, and he spoke the message with a thundering boldness, and as he did, it was a message of divine intervention, and a message of the awareness that yes. creates within the people the awareness of done and finished. Yes. It is finished. Verse 4. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to ride, and I heard a voice from heaven within, saying unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. My translation is, And when the message of fullness was uttered by the seven thundering messengers, I was told to write no more from this perspective, from this message, because this is not a message that can be taught. It's something that has to be caught. It has to be caught. We've got to catch this by the Spirit. You can have the best orators, the best preachers, or teachers stand in front of you and tell it is caught within you spiritually. You ain't a getting it. You ain't a getting it. And neither am I. Verses 5 and 6. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven, verse 6, and swear by him that liveth forever and ever who created heaven and the things that therein are and the earth and the things that therein are and the sea and the things which are therein that there should be. Here we go. Here we go. Woo. Time no longer. Collapsing time. Collapsing time. So the message for today is not to allow time, space, and distance to take away our life, or to dictate, or to govern anything about our life, but realize that God declared the end from the beginning, I am who he says I am, collapsing time, I am right now, and creating a vacuum, anything that would say otherwise, yield that to the Christ mind. That's the message right here in Revelation chapter 10. That's why I say it's relevant to where we're living today. Right. Now this says in the King James, time no longer, but the Greek says no more intervention of time. No more intervening of time because the people know that their essence is I am. Now listen, I'm not saying I am God. I'm not saying I am God. Okay, fair child ain't God. But my awareness of yes. being is. Yes. yes. He breathed into us the breath of life. That's the God part. That's the God principle. But do you know, Jesus said the same exact thing. He said, I can't do nothing. I can't do anything. And if I speak of myself and witness of myself, don't believe it, it's not the truth. Right. What I see the Father do, that I do. What I hear the Father say, that I say. So, so I, okay, fair child, and not God, but I have a God part within me. I have a God principle within me. And it's that I am, it's my very breath. God breathed the breath of life into man, and that was 
Just like Jesus said, I am not in that sense. I only do what I see the Father do. I turn with it. That's right. Careful. Turn with it. Careful what you hear. Now, that was talking about the seventh trump, a yes. message of fullness. Don't be affected by time, space, or distance. Collapse that time. See, in, or in Romans chapter 8, it, uh, and I'm not going to quote the whole scripture, but it talks about waiting for the manifestation or waiting for the redemption. That's how it goes. Waiting for the redemption of the body. That's right. Well, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 in the Amplified says that we are sanctified through and through spirit, soul, and body. So what are we waiting for there in Romans chapter 8? Waiting for the redemption of the body. If I'm redeemed and sanctified through and through spirit, soul, and body. Waiting to wit, and to wit is old English for to know, which is to experience the redemption of the body. What am I supposed to do with the word waiting? Collapse it. Collapse it. We don't have to wait for anything. It's already here. And we've always had it. But we need to get the right, we need to get that slip into that Christ mind on the right side. Now, 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. And here it talks, not about the seventh trump, but it talks about the last trump. And guess what? They're both the same. Whether you're talking about the seventh trump or the last trump, it's a message of oneness. It's a message of I am. It's a message of I am now. And it's the message of I am listening to the intellect on the left side in and of itself. But I'm going to join the two together. I'm going to spiritualize my intellect, spiritualize the logic, spiritualize the reasoning. Because Isaiah did say, come, let's reason together. Right. Yeah. So we can't spiritualize the reasoning. We're not throwing that. Nothing wrong with the left side in and of itself. But we don't want to operate out of that in yeah. itself. Beautiful. Or alone. Now, 1 Corinthians 15, 52 and 53 says, in a moment. In a moment. And one of the meanings of that is, in Thomas, it means the very atoms of our body. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, it doesn't say the blinking or the batting of an eye. What makes your eye twinkle in the natural is when the sun or light not only hits it, but penetrates it. So when truth penetrates you, you can see the twinkle in the eye. In the atoms of our body, in the twinkling of an eye, and that can also mean quick jerking movements, movements, excuse me, quick jerking movements, okay? A lot of jerking going on. So in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, here we go, at the last trump, same as the seventh trump in Revelation 10, for the trumpet shall sound, and it has to sound within us, yes, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. Come on! Now, what is that talking about? It's talking about those old dead thoughts on the left side, okay, are being raised incorruptible to meet what? Him in the air on the right side of the Christ's mind, okay, and we shall be changed in our awareness, for this corruptible must put on incorruption. What is that talking about? This left side has got to be joined with the incorruptible. They have to be joined together, and this mortal must put on immortality. Now listen, that word must is kind of tricky. It's the word exists. So when we join the left and the right together, we will see not that one day we're going to put on immortality. We're going to see we be immortal. We be spirits flowed down to visibility. Immortality is not something we're going to put on in the future. It's something we realize in our awareness.
If you ever had blood drawn, they stick the syringe in your arm, your bed, they pull back on the little handle, whatever they call it, and get the air out. Get the air out. And then what happens? There's a flow of the blood. I love that. The blood begins to flow. Yeah. So to use vacuum, creating a vacuum as a verb, it means to create a natural flow to where we just naturally it's not something we're even trying to do. It's a spontaneous flow that flows out of our lives naturally. That's very interesting. So as a noun, it means a state of awareness right here, a state of awareness where we're being sailed off from external and environmental influences. Sailed off. Now, if you study in Revelation chapter 7, it talks about the tribes there, and it says that they are sealed. And when you study each of their names, their sealing came as a result of their awareness of the meaning of their names and walking in that. That's interesting. Sealed means to be preserved. Now, in that 1 Thessalonians 5.23, I believe it's that scripture, it talks about we're being preserved. What does it mean to be preserved? It means kept in that condition that you always were in. So, so sealed, one of the meanings, is to be preserved, preservation, to be preserved. And we know in Revelation the sealing was where? In the forehead. The sealing was in the forehead. So as all this fits together, so as we live in the awareness of I am, I am now, and we collapse time, by realizing it's now that I'm that, not in the future. I'm not going to get something. I am that now. I am spirit slowed down to visibility. I am immortal. I just haven't understood that I am. And once I understand that I am and retain that in my awareness, it'll become a subjective walk within our life. Now, epigenetics. Some of you have heard of uh, the new you know, health stuff that's coming out. Epigenetics, they're finding out in quantum and in medical science that Epigenetics means that the diseases that come to us, a very low percentage of them come from our gene pool. And epigenetics is telling us today that if we can change our environment, mm -hmm. hello, we can change the status of our health. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's right. That's good. And how do we change our environment? Very simple. Put on your clothes. Yeah. Slip into the Christ mind. Yeah. Have that awareness of the Christ mind. Good. And as you walk in that awareness of the Christ mind, you're changing your environment. Yeah. So See, Adam changed his environment in the garden. Yeah. We need to keep the, yeah. keep the garden. That is, we keep the garden, we're changing our environment from a left-sided environment in and of itself to the right-side environment. Now, shortly I'm going to be teaching, and I'm working on this right now, that when the two, the left and the right, become one, let me just throw this out, <coughs> and keep listening to our Facebook, and you'll, you'll see, it's the woman that leads. Come on! <laughs> it's the woman that leads. Because as the two become one, isn't, isn't our awareness that which projects out? and creates our environment. See, in the church we said, God to be spirit-led, God to be spirit-led, God to be yeah. spirit-led. Yeah. And that's true, we must slip into that Christ mind. But once the two, the left and the right, are one, then what you put in your awareness, which is the projector, which is the feminine principle, is yeah. what governs your life. Yes, that's good. Not ready to teach that yet, but it's on the back burner. <laughs> it's coming soon. Absolutely. So, in closing, let me give you three scriptures. That's my third closing. I know, Candy. Let me give you three scriptures. Because I believe, and you know, we taught in this series about the subconscious. That the first eight to ten years of our life, our subconscious received thoughts when they were accompanied by feeling. If your parents or someone says, you're ugly, you're never going to amount to nothing, you're this, you're that. You didn't know how to combat that because you didn't know who you were. So that created bad feelings that got into the subconscious. There you go. So now we are rewriting the subconscious yes. Yes. as we draw from the thoughts yes. and we feel the feel. Don't you get 
joyous when you get a revelation? Yes. So you get a revelation and you have joy and that begins to go to the subconscious. Now when the subconscious is rewired and reprogrammed because it's sabotaged us for all of our life, what happens is things begin to naturally flow. Now a scripture for that is Psalm 23, 6. Your beauty and your love chase after me all my life. And all the day long. Things will seek us out. Blessing will seek us out. Health experience subjectively will seek us out. Well, I'm just chase us down, if I can say it that way. Chase us down. Once we reprogram and rewire, which is really what we're doing here, the subconscious. And as the two left and right become one, you're going to experience that. Now, let me give you another scripture for that. Living in the end, things begin to chase you down. Collapsing time, listen to this. Amos 9.13, Behold the days come, saith the Lord, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper, and the treader of grapes him that soweth seed, and the mountains, the high thoughts, not only in our awareness, but even in the yes. subconscious yes. part, the high thoughts, or the mountains, shall drop sweet wine naturally, and the hills, Ooh. the lower thoughts, shall melt. Ooh. Why? Because according to Isaiah 46.10, yes. God declared the end from the beginning. Now we used to talk about seed, time, harvest. Can I prophesy to you, declare to you, that the days of seed, come on, time, and it's time, and not just time, because we're collapsing time. It's a Kairos hour. Just, yes, just love the hell out of them. 
Yeah. Come on! Yeah, that's it. Love the hell yeah, and the death. Love. Right. Yeah. Love, love it out. Just yeah. love yeah. it out and yeah. yeah. tell them who they are. That's yes. so good. Yes. Don't be reserved whatsoever. Yeah. Oh. Oh. So good. You may not agree with what they believe or how right. their lifestyle is, but just love them. Don't have to just love them. Right. Because objectively, they are in the same place that we are. Regardless of what they do with their life and their lifestyle. Don't have to condone it. But love them. Love them. And I see. I see that, I see that happening within you. And the worship team.